Welcome to the pilot episode of Showtime College Football. I'm your host, Chase Davidson, and I could not be more excited to start a college football podcast. Now, my expectations for this show are not grand. I purely want to do this just to talk some college football. If anyone listening ever wants to be on the show, be my guest. If you know anything about college football, I don't care if you're biased or not. I love the opinions. I grew up here in Utah. I am a loyal, loyal true and blue homer for the BYU Cougars. However, I, I consider myself a, a reasonable fan, a respectful fan, as I love the banter and the talk of college football. I can't get enough of it. My favorite conversations are with those of my rivals, the Utah Utes, Team Up North. Um, I have absolute respect for them. Um, even though I hate them, I respect them. You know, I, especially in the last two seasons, you know, I, as a BYU fan, it, it's been hard. Utah is such a respectable program. And, you know, not to get off on a tangent right off the bat here, but I consider myself a reasonable college football fan as I can, um, I can reason with people respectfully. You know, I may have my biases, but um, I love talking college football um, for what it is. I had season tickets my entire life. I didn't miss a BYU football home game from the years 2008 to 2020 until the COVID virus hit. COVID virus hit. I am so excited for this podcast. A little bit of humor little bit of chill, not making them too long, just how much, however much I want to talk, you know? Some days I might want to talk for 20 during the season. It's probably going to be a little longer. The date is June 7th. It is currently 12.30 p.m., and I just got out of class at BYU, um, and I figured out you can go get a mic and go rent a podcast room, and I've been thinking about doing this podcast for a while now. My buddy Dryden, I was on his podcast just a couple of days ago, and it really inspired me. Finally, I need to just do it. So hit up his podcast, the Board Men Podcast. His is an NBA slash college basketball um, style podcast. So I in no way want to infringe on his empire of um, just starting, you know, new podcasts out of Provo, Utah. <laughs> so um, one of the first things I want to talk about today is how excited I am for the upcoming season. Now, recruiting. You know, recruiting's fun during the offseason, but I feel like as a college football fan, the minute the season starts, that last week of August, I forget about the five-star prospects, four-star prospects, those new freshmen that I was really hyped for during the summer. Eh. Recruiting seems to lose a lot of its luster the minute the season starts, and I like focusing on the season. I like focusing on recruiting if it's a guy who's going to be in a starting role. Um, so I'm really excited for some recruits. We'll talk about them later. But one of the things I wanted to first go over is the conference realignment this year. We have several stages over the next over the upcoming years here. Um, the Big 12, of course, is doing the biggest of those expansions, um, and a lot of underlying conferences in in reaction to that. And we'll see if the Big 10 decides to extend to any more teams other than USC and UCLA. The Big 12 is still open for more expansions. Of course, Texas and Oklahoma will be leaving next year. Um, so the Big 12 will have 14 teams this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then go back down to 12 if nothing changes as of right now. And we'll dive into those. But one thing I want to talk about that I'm actually the most excited for, I haven't heard much talk about this, is the situation in the Pac-12. Now I'm talking about the season situation. Realignment, all that stuff is crazy. I, I, my hand goes out to 
the Pac-12 fans around me as it's got to be stressful. The Pac-12 is really struggling to get things going here. USC and UCLA, some big dogs are leaving, and the Pac-12 is kind of scrambling to know what to do. However, I think this football season has the opportunity, as USC and UCLA are staying for one more, to be one of the greatest Pac-12 seasons we've ever seen. And I'm talking about this kind of modern era of Pac-12, you know, your last 10, 12 years since the last realignment um, before it was the Pac-10. But, I mean, when you think about who's staying on some of those teams, and I'm mainly talking about quarterbacks, but the Pac-12 last year had one of the greatest solid football years they've had in a long time. The Pac-12, I feel like, is usually just heavyweighted by Oregon, Washington, occasional USC, and Utah as kind of a third man. You know, and obviously there's different seasons, anomalies with that. Stanford was good for a stint there. It was pretty powerful. Um, And you can go on and on about that. But the Pac-12 has usually been one to two teams. And in my opinion, it's usually been uh, in the lower two or three, I'd say even lower two conferences of the Power Five. But last year was interesting. The SEC was very good last year, but the Big Ten struggled. You You had your heavyweights, and pretty much no one else in the Big Ten. The ACC struggled more than any other year, as Clemson was not at full power. And um, you had several teams that were okay, but it really gave a chance for the Pac-12 to kind of shine a little bit. The Pac-12 at one point had, I think, now I'm I'm just going free ball right now. This is, this is purely the pilot episode. I'm just free balling most of this. I don't really have any notes here. I just know I wanted to talk about this. But I believe at one point they had six teams ranked, and I think throughout the season, eight of the 12 teams in the Pac-12 were ranked. And if I'm thinking correctly, with the exception, of course, Cal, Colorado, Stanford, and I'm missing one else. Obviously, oh, Arizona was tough. I think Arizona State was even ranked maybe at the start of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that would make seven or eight teams. And all the other teams were ranked at one point of the season. I believe Washington State snuck in at, t- at number 25 in one of those weeks. Even then, they were receiving votes for that AP poll almost the entire year, especially towards the start. The Pac-12 had an amazing year last year. Not too many people were talking about it, how they had actually depth in that conference. There wasn't a steep dive after Oregon or Washington or USC or Utah. You had, I think, the highlight was Oregon State for once – was good. They broke their streak of being unranked. One of the last times they were ranked is when they came in here to Provo and beat us, and, and they were number five at that point. And they played us here in Provo at BYU, and we barely lost to them at home um, back in 2013. But Oregon State really shined to me as they're, they kept a decent amount of their guys. They got in the transfer transfer portal, DJ DJ. I'm gonna murder. The, I'm gonna absolutely murder this name. Ugalele, I think that's his name. Ugalele, whatever. From Clemson, very disappointing season at Clemson. But I mean, at this point, Oregon State, you don't get those kind of guys. I don't care how tough he did at Clemson. Clemson's got a very high standard. Um, you know, Clemson, multiple playoff appearances. For Oregon State, as a team that was primarily a running game team. They ran the ball up your throat, and that's pretty much all they did. They did not have much of a passing game. Now they have a quarterback that's, you know, I believe he was a five-star coming out of high school. 
you know, I don't I don't remember super well. It was a few years ago. But Oregon State could be good this year. And I'm excited for Oregon State. I mean, I'm not throwing out any projections. I'm not saying two in the conference. I'm saying Oregon State, I think, will have the at least the same firepower as they did last year. They finished, what, 13th in the AP poll? In the College World Playoff poll? Something like that? They finished top 15. Um, of course, that upset of Oregon really put them over. Um, I, that was really disappointing. As a BYU fan, uh, it was tough to watch Oregon fall out of the Pac-12 championship just due to a four-way tie between Washington or a three-way tie between Washington, Oregon, and Utah, and Utah coming out of that to go to the Pac-12 championship to beat USC, which was crazy to me. I wanted Oregon-USC so badly, um, but of course, props to Utah. They went in there and beat USC, so um, that was crazy. So. Oregon State is, I think, is definitely a player this year. Everyone's still sleeping on them. So we'll see how good they do. I'm really excited for Oregon State. They're one of my teams I'm excited to watch um, coming into the next season. Some of the other people I wanted to highlight is the quarterback battle in the Pac-12, specifically the Pac-12. This season we have a lot of good quarterbacks coming back throughout the nation. We got Drake May at North Carolina. Excited for what he's going to do. I don't ride that bandwagon too much. I'm excited. I want to see wins, a little more wins on the board. They they had an opportunity low-key to sneak into the playoff for a little while and dropped it to, a, I think it was NC State. It's been a while since that season. It's been a while. My my knowledge is you know, struggling a little bit. But still, I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to come into the league that are going to be really good. And I think out of the top ten, I would say five of them are in the Pac-12. That's crazy to me. Um, and, of course, don't go too big to the too deep into that stat. Maybe four of them are in the in the top ten. So, of course, you have Caleb Williams coming back to USC. That's huge. You have a Heisman winner coming back to a program. Doesn't happen super often. He wants to win. He wants to go to the playoff. And I think they can do it. They didn't lose too much talent at USC. I think they can definitely make a run again um, to beat the Pac-12. We're going to do a deep dive of our... Um, of our 2023 schedules. I might do that uh, with a co-host here. Um, hopefully it's my boy, Chase Snedden. Um, I'm thinking we're going to be teaming up to do some stuff here um, as my as my co-host. But first, Caleb Williams. I love Caleb Williams. I think he's amazing to watch. Overrated, underrated. I mean, I think he's definitely not underrated. He won the Heisman Trophy. But at the same time, I respect him a lot. I love his game. And I'm excited for what he's going to do. I think he has a lot of chemistry as well. He does not, he steals the show, but because on the field he's amazing. But I feel like he's not that type of guy who's going to, um, his ego is going to get in the way. I think he really wants to win. So that's that's my opinion on him right now. Bo Nix, of course, had a terrible reputation as of one year ago today. Um, Auburn, he did he struggled. Bo Picks came to Oregon. Lost to Georgia, absolutely got demolished, didn't even score in that game. Um, and sadly, he started shining against my team, BYU. We thought we were going to have an amazing season. We kind of choked. But it's okay. I mean, we were ranked coming to that game. Oregon had just fallen out of the rankings, I believe. Maybe they were 25. And Bo Nix put on a show and absolutely demolished my life. I... Um, I was in a deep depression for a few days there as Bo Nix single-handedly dismantled BYU's defense um, because he did one thing. 
he had fun. Bonix having fun is unstoppable. So, I think Bonix, I'm very excited for Oregon this year. Oregon's going to be standard Oregon. I think they always, you know, in this era, generally have a run for the playoff. And even last year, losing to Georgia and then not losing another game, um, you know, I thought they were going to make the playoff. And freaking Oregon State. Oregon State got him out. The Pac-12 had an amazing season, but sadly did not show because they kind of, at the very end of the season, all the big boys beat each other up. Without Utah, well, actually, it's a chain reaction. I'd say without Oregon State beating Oregon, you have Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Oregon goes to the Pac-12 championship. Win or lose against USC, I think USC wins that game, sadly, um, for Oregon fans. USC wins that game. They go to the playoffs. Utah on a tiebreaker goes to the Pac-12 championship and upsets USC. And that is what happened. No team made it to the playoff because Utah had those two losses. To Florida, that first game, I remember that. That was a crazy game. Still surprised Florida pulled that off because Utah was much better than Florida this season, this last season. And they lost to Oregon. And so they only had those two losses, but those two losses, it's, it's impossible to get in the playoff with two losses as we've seen. Um, unless, unless maybe you have the LSU miracle could have happened last year. That would have been one of the only teams I could have seen making the playoff. I'm not saying they're very good, but their, their situation with who they'd beaten, um, they could have made the playoff. I don't know. If, I don't think they would have won anything, but, um, you know, a two team playoff is yet to make the, or two team, sorry, a two lost team is yet to make the playoff. So the Pac-12 kind of screwed itself, um, but there are some things to take away. Is it was an amazing season for the Pac-12, even though they still have not produced a playoff team since Washington in twenty whatever, you know, six or seven years ago. They haven't had a playoff team in a long time, and I think this year is one of their best chances to do so. Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and can we even forget Michael Penix Jr.? Um, I, I actually have not seen much of him play. Oregon was, or sorry, Washington was a little quiet this year, in terms of how their season went. They did not have many two. They did not have too many primetime games. Um, they did go in and beat Oregon, which was tough. That really hurt Oregon towards the end of that season. So Washington, they they lost to UCLA kind of early on. They were looking okay. And then they lost to Arizona State, and kind of they fell under the radar. It felt as though, because Arizona State was pretty bad, they beat Arizona by 10, they beat Cal by 7, so they looked like they were going to have a mid-year, maybe go 6-6. Six and six. And, I, and I, I personally was like, I kind of forgot about him. I was like, oh yeah, Michael Penix, I mean, he looks great, but the Washington's just going to struggle this year. And then they walk in. They beat Oregon State, which at that point I think was barely ranked. And tough loss for Oregon State fans. So I'm like, okay, you know, Washington. But they beat Oregon State. And Oregon State didn't have much credibility at that point because, you know, you got to build some credibility as a program has been struggling. Then they beat Oregon the next week. And you say, what? So hold on. Washington walks in there. They had um, – I believe they had, let's see how many losses they had in total. They had one, two, they had two losses last season. Wow. 
You learn something new every single day. It appears it appears to me they had two losses. However, they got them early on in the season, which kind of knocked them out of all the talks. When they ended up, I believe, at eight in the final poll? Crazy. The Pac-12 was so deep last year. There were a lot of teams that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Washington ended the season crazy. They didn't lose, I think, their last six games, beating Oregon State and Oregon. Michael Penix is coming back. Back on subject. I mean, this is still on subject, but Michael Penix is coming back. Of course, Cam Rising. Now, this is why this is important here. I am a BYU fan. I would say top 10, if I'm being generous, top 15 rivalry in college football. Some people don't know about it because in recent years, usually one team has been ranked, not the other. Um, There's been times where both are ranked. Last time that happened, I think, was a little while ago. I think it was um, 2009. It was the last time we were both ranked for a BYU-Utah game. And... I, for once, have so much respect for the Utah quarterback. There, I, I hated a lot of these past ones. But I really like Cam Rising. I think he plays extremely well. He has choked a few times under pressure. And I think he can improve that. That's hard to do. But I'm saying as a person and as a football player, I very much respect his game. He can sling the ball like nothing else. I mean, he did have Kincaid, the best tight end of the country, according to me. Better than better than Notre Dame's tight end, Michael Mayer. I think Kincaid had a way better season. 100%. I respected Utah so much this year. I thought Utah was for real. Of course, I cheer when they lose. Still do. But I, that, doesn't, that does not mean that I can't have respect for their team. I absolutely loved what they did this year. I, it's sad. They, they've they been so close to the playoffs so many times. I believe that they're the ones who have been – they're like top ten. No, I think they're number one actually right now. They're, they're in the top five. I know this. They're in the top five for teams that have been ranked the most in the college football playoff poll without making the playoff. I think they've spent the most weeks in the playoff poll in the, you know, since 2014, the modern era. They spent the most weeks in the playoff poll without going to the playoff. So for that, I mean, you can't say they're trash because they haven't been to the playoffs. I mean, look at what they've done. They've had a, sadly, they've had a 10-win season so many times and just had two losses, one loss, occasional three, if you count your bowl games. They've been so close for so long. And so I really respect them. I'm not going to be biased and say, oh, they suck. They're going to suck this year. No, they're going to be good. They're going to they're gonna have a great team this year. And I'm excited to watch them. Uh, every year I gain more respect for Utah, especially with Cam Rising at quarterback. Um, he's a great team leader. He's very, um, how do I say this? He's not cocky. When you talk to him in a postgame interview, it's hard to not like him. And you could say Penn State walked in there and killed Utah. If you just look at that box score, Utah looked like they were probably going to win that game until Cam Rising got hurt in the Rose Bowl last year. I'm just saying... As a biased fan against Utah, I think they were. I thought they were going to win that game. So say what you want about Utah choking in the Rose Bowl every year. I mean, they played very well against Ohio State, and they played very well for the first three quarters against Penn State. So 
say what you want. It's been a tough, tough two or three seasons for Utah fans with those endings. Um, but pack, back-to-back Pac-12 champions um, cannot be understated. I think that Utah, of course, is going to be great again. I don't know how it's going to play out with the schedules this year. We're going to go over schedules. I don't have them all memorized yet. Um, but I think the Pac-12, the problem with it last year is a lot of teams did not play each other. The main, Mainly being Oregon and USC did not play each other last year, which was really tough to see. So um, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully more of those big boys play each other. Okay, and let's keep going down the list. DJ Uglele, already talked about. Michael Penix Jr., Cam Rising, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, and of course, Colorado. Shadir, Shatter, Shader, Shadir, Sanders. Don't know how to say his name. I mean, I'm on the neutral ground with this whole Deion Sanders team. Neutral ground. I have no real connection. I say, let's play some football. I want to see what happens. They play TCU week one, and I cannot wait for that freaking game. I'm excited. As you have TCU, who lost a lot of their team, could very well be 8-4 and four this year. I mean, you got Sonny Dykes, who's a great coach. But that game, no one knows what's going to happen. Who are they going to favor in that game? Now, I'd say they're probably going to favor TCU, as it's a safer bet. TCU is more set up. Colorado is kind of all over the place. They're losing transfers. They're getting transfers. The whole entire program has been completely reshaped. I have no idea. I think TCU is a safe bet if you're if you're a betting man. However, I mean, as a fan, I have no idea who's going to win that game. It's I, I couldn't even say who's favored. I can say TCU is the, sa- the safer pick. But what I'm saying is, you watch the first quarter, second quarter. I mean, Colorado could come out of nowhere, and they could be insane. But I I do agree with the uh, with the narrative that it's kind of like, well, I mean, there's a lot of hype over Colorado, but it's still going to take some time. And I think that's what most people are thinking because most projections have Colorado middle of the Pac-12 or less. I have not seen very many Pac-12 um, projections with Colorado in the top four. So there you go. That's what the people are saying. That's I'm not really saying that. I'm not really coming out with an opinion on that. I just want to see him play. I want to see Colorado play. I want to see what they're made of. So I don't like projections that much because I feel like they're always wrong. I think it's fun to project. But I feel like projections just make people kind of pissed off when it comes to podcasts and influences and stuff like that with college football. And so, I like just highlighting the good teams. I think these teams will be good, but I don't like putting place marks on them. I think Colorado will do fairly well, actually. Um, I think for them, for Colorado, a few wins in the Pac-12 is going to be great. They had one win last year. And I can't remember if that was even in the Pac-12. I'll have to fact check myself on that. They went 1-11 last year. That's tough. So, I mean, I think this year... Taking a program that was 111. Deion Sanders, because of the hype, it's kind of hard to live up to that. But at the same time, if you're if it wasn't Deion Sanders, if it was some guy named Larry Sanders, random coach out of a JUCO or assistant coach from somewhere, 
I think the expectation is win four to six games. Try and be bowl eligible. And I think that's the goal for Colorado this year. If you can be six and six, maybe knock off a big team, or even just win your games you're supposed to, beat Cal, beat Stanford, beat the Arizonas, you got to get. I think that's a successful season. Win your off season, win your, sorry, your, um, your non conference games. Don't have to beat TCU. I say five to six games is a great season. Five to, five to six wins, excuse me. Great season for Colorado. That's my opinion. So, but at the same time, let's play ball. I want to see how good they are. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of rumors around the league. Arizona State and Arizona, the Big 12 is starting to um, flirt with a lot of those guys, Colorado especially. We'll see how that plays out, and I'll be here to cover it all. And one more I've got to talk about is UCLA. They lost their boy, DTR, um, which was tough. He was, I think he was one of the main reasons that they did so well um, with Chip Kelly. We'll see. UCLA, I think, has fallen way under the radar. If they're good, they're good. I don't really know what to think about him. They lost some good talent. They have Dante Moore, the five-star who decommitted from Oregon to UCLA. He's not. I don't think he's even starting as of now. But, I mean, he's something to watch out for. If UCLA drops a few games, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play. And I would be excited for that. Another great QB to enter in the, uh, the Pac-12. So there you go. Those are the QBs and my excitement for the Pac-12 this year. I, am never, I have never been a Pac-12 fan. As a BYU fan, we kind of have this little rivalry with the Pac-12. You know, we, we claim that we won the Pac-12 South a few years ago. Um, that was great. Loved that um, as we beat nearly every team in the Pac-12 South. Um, and, you know, that was funny. That was a meme. But the Pac-12 was kind of struggling that year a little bit as well. Anyways, so, you know, I mean, USC was like 3-10 and 10 or 3-9 and nine or something like that. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was tough. But the Pac-12, I'm excited to watch this year. For once, I'm thinking the Pac-12 is could be a top two conference this year. Top three. Top three is very conservative. But I mean, watch out. I say you got five teams. You got USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Oregon State. I think those are all top 15, top 20 teams right now. I think the Pac-12 is going to have a very solid year. Hopefully they don't beat themselves up. Hopefully that is not a curse to have that many good teams. But I think it is, as they're going divisionless right now, I think that is going to be an absolute battle for first and second to go to the Pac-12 championship. So I'm excited. We'll go over some schedules later. But that is what I wanted to talk about today. Um, pilot episode. You heard it here first. As of right now, the name is Showtime College Football. You can follow me on Instagram at Showtime College Football. My personal is Chase Davidson3. Um, send me a DM. Obviously, I probably have like two listeners, but send me a DM if you want to be on the show, if you want to have a thing talked about, if you have a wildly hot take. You know, what? I love cold takes. I love hot takes and cold takes. I think they're hilarious. I love saying, hey, Washington State is going to win the Pac-12 this year. I think it's hilarious. I love imagining the idea of California, of Cal winning the Pac-12. I think it's hilarious. Give me anything. Um, anyways. Next show, hoping to talk about some more 
um, conference previews. Now it's time to go watch Nuggets versus Heat. Game three, one to one. Jimmy Butler, can he do it? I'll talk to you guys next time.